0: Welcome to the MacArthur Memorial Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Williams. Join me as we explore the life and legacy of General of the Army Douglas MacArthur and discuss a wide range of military history topics, from the American Civil War to the Korean War. Franklin Roosevelt, Douglas MacArthur, and Winston Churchill were all very different men, but they shared a few things, and one thing they shared was a common ancestor, Sarah Barney Belcher, a woman born in Massachusetts in 1771. They also all had fascinating mothers who were instrumental in their careers. And we've discussed General MacArthur's mother, Mary Hardy MacArthur, in previous episodes. And today we're going to explore the roles played by Jenny Jerome Churchill and Sarah Delano Roosevelt. To tell us more about these fascinating women, we welcome Charlotte Gray author of Passionate Mothers, Powerful Sons, The Lives of Jenny Jerome Churchill and Sarah Delano Roosevelt. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Amanda, and it's wonderful to be here with you. So what drew you to this topic? I love dealing with
1: women's history. I've written several books of different aspects of social history, not just about women, but I find women's lives totally intriguing. I find that how women behave, how they make choices in whatever century I'm writing about. Quite fascinating because some things change, like the assumptions of women's lives, but some things never change. Like, how do you choose your partner? Or what are your attitudes to childbirth? I mean, these are the perennial questions. And another one which is relevant, in fact, to actually both Pinky MacArthur and to these two women is the upside of widowhood. But I chose these two women and I chose to write about them because of an extraordinary coincidence. They were both born in 1854 within around uh, 60 miles of each other in New York. And they grew up in very wealthy families, but they are such amazing contrasts, so different in behavior, so different in choices.
0: Introduce us to both of these women. Can you provide a brief biographical sketch of each of them? Well,
1: Jenny Jerome was... The one adjective everybody uses about her is charismatic. She was beautiful. She was gifted. She was very gregarious, quite a flirt, but she was also clever and took the, grabbed the initiative and very engaging. Everybody loved her. She was very, very popular. And just as an example of her wit, when she moved to England, she quite quickly became a good friend of the Prince of Wales. And... He loved her because of her sort of sparkling American irreverence. And he once said that uh, a friend of his was going to marry an American and said, Well, she's very lucky because although he's impoverished, his ancestors came over in 1066 with William the Conqueror. And she said, Well, if I was the girl, I'd prefer some, that if some of the more immediate members of the family had done a bit of conquering for themselves. She uh, never minced her words. She was also a gifted pianist. And at one point, spoke about making the piano and music her professional career, which horrified her parents who did not approve of women having professions. Sarah Delano, a complete contrast, very traditional, did not push it against the boundaries, really loved the security in the life of uh, old money in old New York, lived in the Hudson Valley all her life and hugely strong self-discipline. I start the book, actually, the section on her with a case where she's seven years old and she has a horrible cut on her head. It's spouting blood. She rushes in to see her father and he's this rather austere, intimidating character. And he says he'll sew it up himself and she's to stop crying. And this little girl stops crying and allows her father to stitch up a wound on her head. I don't know many little girls who could have stood for that. So she never wanted to be anything more than a wife and mother, but boy, did she want to be a mother.
0: In the book, you point out that neither of the women would have considered herself powerful in the patriarchal society in which she lived. But at the same time, neither of the women considered themselves marginal to the society in which they both flourished. So can you tell us a little bit more about this?
1: Yes, you know, often here we are 200 years later, assuming that women in the 1850s, 60s, 70s must have felt so restricted by their their lives, but most didn't. Most accepted the restrictions on their lives, just as we now accept restrictions on our lives in terms of sort of what laws we have to obey. So they didn't necessarily feel that they were sort of losing opportunities by always giving the public roles to men. At that stage, of course, women couldn't vote, let alone stand for political office. Instead, they decided how they could have influence in the world. And Jenny, for example, was so conscious of the power behind the throne that in fact, when she was in her 50s, she wrote a very witty play about it. She was a big promoter of, but first of all, her husband's career. Lord Randolph Churchill was at one point seen as a future prime minister before he crashed and burned, and then switched her attention to her son because she knew she could pull the strings behind the scenes to help his career. Sarah also accepted the restrictions of the patriarchal society without necessarily um, sort of challenging them at all. But she had a huge influence within her her own family. She made all the major decisions. Her husband thought he was marrying a sort of deferential, dignified young woman, 26 years younger than him. Very soon after their marriage, he discovered that uh, she had a will of iron. Interestingly, neither of these women actually supported votes for women until their sons, who were both active in politics from an early age, decided that women's suffrage was something that had to happen and uh, endorsed it. And then their mothers rather reluctantly jumped on the
0: bandwagon too. I've always thought that was very interesting. Now, MacArthur seemed to welcome his mother's attention at times. And then at other times, there were things that he wanted to hide from her. She was clearly his number one promoter and cheerleader though. Tell us about the relationships between Winston Churchill and Jenny, and then FDR and Sarah.
1: I think the crucial aspect of the relationship between Jenny Jerome Churchill and her elder son Winston was that Winston was a bumptious, needy little boy who wanted as much attention as possible. And she stuck to the traditions of the aristocratic family of her day, families of her day, sent him off to the care, first of all, of a nanny, Mrs. Everest, and then to boarding school. That was what all those wealthy aristocratic family in Brit- families in Britain did. She was perfectly happy to do that. And he didn't like it at all, particularly because the first school he went to when he was only about eight was a very uh, strict and rather unpleasant institution. So there are all these tragic letters from him saying, mummy, mummy, come and visit me, please, please. I haven't seen you and you haven't written to me. And he was very needy at that stage. The other reason why Jenny couldn't give him the attention he wanted was that her husband, Lord Randolph, was a very difficult, demanding husband who was slowly actually descending into madness, and he took up all her attention. However, once Lord Randolph dies, and by now Winston Churchill is a young man who's just got into military college, she turns her attention to Winston, and from that point on, she becomes his biggest promoter. Very like Pinky MacArthur did with her son Douglas. She at that stage has a lot of wonderful connections, which she uses very adroitly to further his career. And he become he's very grateful for that. He says she left no stone unturned, no cutlet ungrilled, because she gave many important little dinner parties. Sarah Delano Roosevelt, in contrast, was a very hands-on mother. She was never going to let anybody get between her and Franklin. She sacked the nanny that her husband had uh, just employed because she thought she was too intrusive. Sarah wept when she was told that really when Franklin was five, she had to cut his curls. And she wouldn't allow him to go to his public school, Groton, um, until he was two years older than what, the age he should have gone. When he went to Harvard, she took an apartment in Cambridge to continue to be near him. Sometimes people say she was smothering, and at times perhaps she was, but she was certainly the 19th century equivalent of a helicopter parent.
0: MacArthur's father was an excellent soldier, and his career might have been a little disappointing at times, I think, to Pinky, his wife, but his meteoric rise through the ranks towards the end of his career probably made her very happy. But even then, he misses out on kind of the top job of his profession. He's not selected to be chief of staff of the army, a position that one day his son Douglas will hold, with his mother acting then as his official hostess. Do you get a sense with either Jenny or Sarah that they expected their sons to surpass the achievements of their fathers? It was certainly true with Jenny. She was thrilled
1: when she got betrothed to a man who not only had a title, but who also had the possibility of a political career. She loved politics. She loved the power. She loved the gossip. She loved the strategizing. She certainly was a big player in Lord Randolph Churchill's career until he abruptly resigned when he was Chancellor of Exchequer, which was a big mistake in the end of his political career. And so as soon as her husband died, she switched her attention to promoting her son's career. And she always believed that he was a man of destiny and that he would do great things for his country. Although sadly, she never lived to see it, but she imbued him with a sense that his father had been a brilliant politician and he would be an even more brilliant one. Sarah, quite the reverse. She was very happy as a matriarch in the hudson valley a sort of quiet pastoral upper class enclave north of north of uh, new york and uh loved to be married to a perfect country gentleman and always hoped that franklin roosevelt would take on the mantle of being a perfect country gentleman when his father died when when franklin was a very young man and was shocked when he wanted to go into politics because she thought politics was a dirty business and she thought it would be it would be soil his hands. As soon as he actually is successful and starts running in for different offices, first of all, at the state level and then in the presidential campaigns, she's behind him all the way. Because the one thing she can't stand is the idea her son might fail at anything. So as soon as he's launched into politics, She's with him all the way, backing him. And frankly, his career wouldn't have been possible had it not been for Sarah's money. She was incredibly wealthy, but she devoted many resources to making sure that Franklin had well-run and very comprehensive political campaigns.
0: One of the things I found really interesting in the book was a part where um, you talked about how she's actually funding a lot of the social activities at the White House because the president at the time doesn't really have a proper budget for the scale of things that he needs to do. Um, And so, again, like you said, she's funding his presidency almost in a way too beyond what the American people are doing at that time. So I just thought that was really interesting.
1: Not only is she funding the uh, White House expenses, just the sort of daily running expenses, but also sometimes she behaves as though uh, she owns it. The White House staff learned to call her the duchess behind her back. Yes. And at the very first inaugural ball, I mean, she's the one who drew up the guest list and she's the one alongside her son who receives the guests. Eleanor is elsewhere looking after details.
0: All of these men are absolutely devastated when their mothers die. Tell us about the reactions of Churchill and Roosevelt.
1: Well, Jenny's death in 1921 was absolutely tragic. She was only 67 and she was still quite the sort of gregarious party goer. She'd fallen because she was wearing some incredible Italian high heeled shoes, broken her ankle, the wound had gone septic, and she had to have her Leg amputated with typical Jenny spirit. She said, Well, I'll just have to put my best foot forward. But then she went into septic shock, and her servants called Winston, her son, who lived quite close by in London, and said, She's in a coma, quick. We think she's going to die. He ran through the streets in his pajamas, sobbing wildly, was devastated by her death. I mean, sort of, he was almost catatonic for three days. And could barely get over it, and said later, "My mother was everything to me." Similarly, when Sarah Delano Roosevelt died twenty years later, she was a powerful, formidable woman who lived till she was eighty-seven. She'd been on the time co- on the cover of Time magazine when FDR became president in nineteen thirty-two, but she's dying in nineteen forty-one. FDR drops everything and comes to her side at Hyde Park the house that uh, he had been born in and she'd lived in ever since and talks to her quietly as she goes in and out of consciousness and she he almost falls apart when she dies eleanor says you know that she has to do everything because franklin is uh, torn apart by grief the only time that franklin's staff ever saw him with a tear in his eye and this is wartime remember when so many young men were dying the sons of his friends. The only time anybody saw him with a tear in his eye was his personal assistant when they were going through Sarah's goods and um, possessions. And he opened a box that had her mementos of his childhood. And he just said quietly, could you please leave me for a few minutes?
0: I know in MacArthur's case, um, his aide at the time Dwight D. Eisenhower mentioned that it was one of the most difficult times that MacArthur ever experienced after his mother passed. Do you think that biographers have treated these women fairly? I don't, actually. I mean, I think that uh,
1: there's a tendency for biographers to um, sort of rush through childhood. And often the intervention of mothers is absolutely verboten. When you're writing about a great man, you don't want to read about his mother's sort of intrusions on his personal development. Churchill's biographers have tended to just dismiss Jenny as very frivolous. You know, they talk about her debts, her love of, beautiful clothes they don't talk about the fact that she organized a hospital ship to look after the soldiers who were wounded in the South African war they don't talk about her fundraising for a national theater or for the literary review that she founded and published so they they diminish her their remarks are always rather derogatory about jenny who's such a personality but really doesn't fit the mold of victorian womanhood in sarah's case what happened there was that after she died her son died only 3 years later and then eleanor became v roosevelt and eleanor in the subsequent years did so many amazing things that everybody admired her enormously as they should but she wrote 3 memoirs sort of she wrote one every 10 years and each one was more critical of sarah who she resented deeply because she'd been very emotionally dependent on sarah when she first married franklin and became sarah's daughter-in-law and Sarah had sort of almost taken over the household and certainly helped with all the Roosevelt children, who Eleanor had never never enjoyed motherhood. She never enjoyed sex. She really was happiest when somebody else was looking after her family and she could do the things she loved and was good at, which was organizing um, soldiers' canteens and increasingly lobbying for social justice issues. But she then, towards the end of her life, she really resented Sarah because her own children said Sarah was their real mother, and uh, that hurt. So she wrote rather nasty things about Sarah, and FDR's biographers have tended to absorb those attitudes.
0: And then, of course, FDR's not alive either at that time to defend his mother. So There's nobody there to defend her. That's absolutely correct. What do you think the world looks like in 1945 without these women? Would there be an FDR, a Churchill, or even a MacArthur, as we know them today, without them? Well, it's very hard to speculate on that. But certainly, one thing all
1: three mothers really gave their sons was a sense of their destiny. Their destiny, that they were very special individuals, that they would make the world a better place, That With Jenny Churchill, it was really, you know, that her son would achieve political power, that he would be a powerful leader for the country. With FDR, Sarah's belief was that he was special and that he was going to do good for society. So both men, FDR and Winston, went into the war. And I suspect Douglas MacArthur, when in the Second World War, when it begins, Each of those men has such a strong sense of their own destiny, such a strong self-confidence, and they each got it from their mothers. So
0: that was the great gift of motherhood from
1: two formidable women for the two men I write about.
0: A hundred percent agreement. Any final thoughts?
1: I want to say how much I enjoyed writing this book because I think, you know, Of all of recorded history and books that are published about history, only about 1% of them cover women. And it's partly because women for so long didn't play public roles, but it's partly because women's lives are interior lives and domestic lives. But women who leave letters, women who leave diaries, leave people like me the most wonderful fount of information to discover what it was really like then. What did it feel like to? Change countries. How did Jenny manage to be such a chameleon that she went from being an American to a Parisian and then to a member of the British aristocracy? How did Sarah Roosevelt feel when she was suddenly discovered that her son was going to be the leader, the president of the United States, when in fact she had just wanted him to be the perfect country gentleman? And you can discover those sort of internal lives. thanks to their, thanks to their writings. And, you know, it's better than a novel
0: in many ways. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, That was very interesting. And the book is Passionate Mothers, Powerful Sons, The Lives of Jenny Jerome Churchill and Sarah Delano Roosevelt. Thank you for listening. If you have questions, suggestions, or comments, we want to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at MacArthur1880, on Facebook as the General Douglas MacArthur Memorial, or you can email MacArthurMemorial at Norfolk.gov.